I've um, created a kind of a template to help people mm -hmm. like, with the first question being like, what is the purpose of your meeting? Um, you know, what, what are you actually trying to get out of this meeting? Because quite often when you answer that question, you realize that you don't need a meeting. You can get what you need in a different way. And that as exactly as you've just said, it, it means that, that you free up everybody's time by doing that. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Lorna Helps here with me today, and that is not a marketing term I just found out. That is her actual last name. And so she is actually here to help us as the CEO and founder of Vibrant Thinking. Uh, Lorna has spent 20 years with companies as large as Procter & Gamble uh, in London and Geneva, working teams all over the, uh, the continents, it seems like and especially uh, relevant to today's times when we are getting uh, what some are calling Zoom fatigue. Uh, also, as with being it very relevant to the money talkers, uh, you know, we've got a lot of virtual school stuff going on. And so I think these tips and uh, trips we're going to go through today with her um, and find out how she helps alleviate these things is going to be very applicable to today's environment, especially for what we've been going through with the pandemic. So with that, welcome to the show, Lorna. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, I kind of want to jump right in. And so can you kind of give me a little bit of background about your 20 years of working remote teams and then what the kind of evolution you've seen over that, uh, especially that's been sped up recently? Yeah, so um, I started my career as a, a Procter & Gamble based in um, the northeast of the UK. Um, but worked with teams that were uh, either based in Geneva or down in London. And in, in fact, on all of the um, agencies that I worked with and uh, the media owners that I worked with were all based in London. Um, and it meant at a time when there literally was just the phone um, and email was just beginning, um, we had to, you know, I, I learned very quickly how to build relationships with people that you'd never met before and would never meet in person um you know entire negotiations were done just on the phone um with somebody that you'd never met um but you know what i learned from that is that it is possible um if you if you make it kind of a purpose of what you're trying to do to build that relationship then it is perfectly possible to build a strong working relationship with somebody without ever having met them um, but equally, I've also seen um, teams kind of fall apart um, 
when there's been friction between two people um, that, that, that fall out over something really, really minor, but that, that fallout, because they're sitting in, in different countries, just builds and builds and builds um, and is never never properly resolved, unlike if you were able to just go and have a grab a coffee and talk it through, um, which has massive impacts on on the team and what they actually what they can deliver because they're spending their whole time trying to work out how to kind of how to go around the fact that there's then a gap in communication between two key people. Um, so I, I kind of, I guess I've seen what well, I think I, I've seen the best and the worst <laughs> of working remotely um, as, as a team. I've seen what is possible, but also the big pitfalls. And what about today? Because I mean, I imagine it's got to be a lot of the same challenges, but a lot of different solutions, right? You know, it's still, it's still having hard that connection, but here you are, uh, you know, sitting thousand miles away and I'm in Florida and we're talking through these things and we can see each other. You know, and it's been an amazing development, but, you know, it, it has to present its own set of challenges. Um, you know, and I think you used the term Zoom fatigue. Um, and I imagine that, you know, even though now you can see people, uh, you've probably still got those same kind of animosities that build up and maybe even more. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, and I think um, so. Again, technology has, is amazing. And I think, you know, obviously we all discovered and embraced technology. Um, since from March last year. Um, but I think, um, so for me, that, you know, part of this Zoom fatigue is because everyone defaults to Zoom or Teams, whichever one they're using, um, for everything now, rather than, um, you know, remembering the good old fashioned phone <laughs> where you can call up somebody. Um, that that what so what happens is that people spend you know an awesome amount of time on emails trying to get into a zoom setting up a zoom meeting for three weeks time when it's just a five minutes conversation um that could be done really quickly over the phone um and and that you know part of of i think um how we need to change how we work is looking at okay how do we encourage those kinds of behaviors um and that might mean initially saying you know there's a half an hour of the day when you're not doing work that's completely um needing you to be completely engrossed in it but that is a time when people can ring you for those quick five minute chats or two minute chats um and that you're not going to be frustrated you know, so therefore the person who is ringing you knows it's okay and you are in the right mindset to just kind of have that quick chat. Um, so it's about, so, so talking about the, your question about how things have changed, it's about remembering that you, we have now lots of options um, of how to communicate, which is fantastic, but the key is to make sure that we're using the right ones for the right kind of communication and not completely overloading everybody with back-to-back -back Zoom meetings, which drains you and leaves you with no time to actually do the work. Yeah, you know, I um, I have a personal pet peeve on like very complex questions and solutions that need to be desired coming through on text messages or emails. It's just, there's, there's such a, uh, a disconnect in the tone of the author and the tone of the reader many times, yeah. or it's a very complex conversation where there's a lot of inputs that need to be happening. You get a text message. 
And it's like, well, I need way more data that could, I could ask for three other, you know, one question might lead to 10 more or one question might shut it down. And I can give you the answer right then. And it's so funny that we're now having to like pick people and encourage them just to have a conversation to get a solution. Now it's like, I feel like the psychology has changed to where I can just say all the things I want to say and shove it on your plate. And now it's not mine anymore. Right. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I I do. You know, I was in, I've been in corporate America. And when we went from our own, I sold a company to a public trade company. And when we got into that, like I would get 15, 25 emails a day from accounting, long emails. And I'm like, you know, if I don't have time to go produce, you know, the dollars that you guys are counting and I'm just constantly answering questions, like it just seems that like we've, we've pigeonholed into like that being the default are these, like, I don't have to talk to you modes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I almost like we were talking about going to the zoom. Like I still think zoom is a step up better than doing email and text messages. Um, if you use them properly, you know, you're talking about if it's back to back to back to back to back meetings, like I think your disengagement and your ability to sit there and stare at a camera for, you know, hours on end is probably pretty low. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I and I guess, you know, when you when when you put it like that, I'm thinking, you know, it, this is what this is, is an, an evolution of um, the latest tech, the latest great tech offering is what we all then default to. So you know, I, I I remember a time when we didn't have emails at PNG, um, and you know that that when when email and so everything was done by fax when we were having to send through stuff. Um, but when <laughs> when emails came along, absolutely like suddenly, a load of communication. Suddenly, you just it defaulted to emails, and you and this whole thing of like not reading it in the same way that in the same tone all of those kind of things you know caused could cause you know unnecessary misunderstandings and then the whole thing of like you know overnight you get 60 emails and so you're spending your whole day doing it and it's the same exactly the same thing with zoom now of like like because everyone's just defaults to it as that is the way of communicating now rather than really thinking about what is the best, how is the best way to, to, to um, achieve what I'm trying to do here? And, you know, if it, if it involves, if it's a complex problem that needs several people's input, then that is probably going to be um, a Zoom meeting if you can't all be face-to-face. Um, I'd say probably ideally face-to-face, but in this world, you know, it may well be, you know, the, the next best thing is then Zoom, not phone calls or emails but then there's an awful lot of communication you know that that you know whether that's just catching people up with somebody something just making just giving them an fyi whatever it may be that doesn't need to be done on zoom and yet still is yeah no there's definitely a place for it and so one of my favorite things is the ability to shorten a meeting is uh my one of my favorite sayings is from a book that i read uh, called traction it says if i had more time i would have wrote a shorter letter Right. And so it's like, how do you make things really impactful, really small? But I I just wonder, like, so I wonder if there's not a a generational conflict, though. Right. Because I'm thinking about this from the minds of like, as parents, like I've got a nine and a seven year old. And 
like their default meeting is going to be digital when my default meeting is going to be phone. Right. And I'm like, you can get so much more, just make a phone call, you know? And then I, I wonder if we're going to, so like, we're trying to train me to think more about like doing zoom calls and doing podcasts through this way, that kind of things. I think for them, it's going to be the other way around. Like we have to like teach them to pick the phone up, you know, because it's, it's their, like when we talk about like consuming, like, TV shows and things it's it's they consume information completely different than I do yeah you know? and yeah and you know I have a 13 year old daughter so uh, I absolutely know yeah. you know her default is to is yeah it's to FaceTime somebody yeah um, not, <laughs> not to do it by phone um but then but then again um I I also but then I think that how they're using it it's okay to do it as a as a FaceTime or a, a video if it's this it's the the principle of you are ringing you are contacting somebody for a few minutes chat yeah. to get something specific versus I need to block time in your diary because there's several people that need to be involved and it's quite a knotty problem and it's about you know talking to, when I talk to lots of people um with my clients it is it, you know what they're saying is that that first one has become part you know everyone everyone is trying to do it as a I block time in your diary um I need to block time in your diary to speak to you about something that is literally going to take three minutes but ends yes. up being half an hour because you blocked a half an hour yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you made it half an hour, so you oh, fill the time with making yeah. sure that you with get what? to the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, which is which is the main problem principle. about about meetings, isn't there? Right. That's I mean, that's the <laughs> biggest main problem is like they don't have a quantifiable end result a lot of times. Right. So it was like, okay, we came to the meeting, we did a financial meeting. I've lost you. Sorry. Oh, I was saying that the um that in, in a lot of times in our meetings, right, we don't have quantifiable end results, right? So maybe we get we have a financial meeting and uh, and then the next thing you know, it's you know what we, you leave the meeting, it's like three hours of reviewing finances, and then you leave the meeting and it's like, well, what did we accomplish? You know it's it's and that's I think that that comes down to a lot of kind of what you're saying is that like if you're going to have this meeting and it's going to be blocked out and do these things like, okay, I have a specific question to get answered. I get that question answered now I can move about my day and I don't block out your time I don't take up my time but like it doesn't have to be this official grandiose <laughs> right contact session yeah um and that and uh, uh certainly I've I've um created a kind of a template to help people mm -hmm. like with the first question being like what is the purpose of your meeting um, you know, what, what are you actually trying to get out of this meeting? Because quite often when you answer that question, you realize that you don't need a meeting. You can get what you need in a different way. And that as exactly as you've just said, it, it means that, that you free up everybody's time by doing that. Um, and then also, you know, just simple things like making sure that you have got an agenda, which again, clearly highlights what what are the outputs that you're looking for for this meeting so that you all know when you get to that point not drift around for the full time of the meeting when you might have actually achieved it 20 minutes in yeah we we had a bad problem with that um we had these tuesday morning meetings and we would schedule them for an hour and a half i think and 12 managers there and they never went an hour and a half they always went three hours we always left there going like, well, that was great. We all have more information, but nobody solved any problems, you know? 
And then we actually turned it around and said, okay, we're having a one hour meeting and then we had to put a meeting structure in place. And it just became like, it, it was like the highlight, you know, we left there, like everybody was clear, things squared away and like everybody had direction, you know, cause we would always have these little like mini meetings after the meeting because everybody would have their little problems that they didn't solve. And then we would, it would be like a one-on-one -on -one though, but it didn't involve all the other people that it affected, you know? <laughs> And so we were really bad at them. <laughs> so what are, uh, what are some of your tips in this? Because I would like to get an idea of how we could apply this with the younger generation too, because there's so many kids going to virtual schools right now and doing Google meets. And, you know, my kids were doing like the virtual, like when they have, if, if there's a COVID, you know, uh, possibility of someone in their classroom, well, anybody on that side of the classroom, which I don't really understand yet, um, goes home and then the other half of the classroom stays in there. I don't get it. But, um, but still, like when they're having these virtual meetings, like, I just, I wonder if there's some things that they could do to separate themselves thinking about that going forward, especially someone like the high school kids and those kinds of things, because a lot of the older generation is not comfortable in those things yet where they could actually maybe come in and shine as an expert in a piece that they really understand. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so the, I'm trying to think how to apply it to that situation. Um, well, where do you, how about this? Where do you see issues in the people that you work with? What are some of their major issues that they have on their meeting pieces? Because those are the pieces that I think that I, I'm a big entre entrepreneurial person. I've always been. I look for problems and try to solve them. So if you see a, a repetitive pattern of people having a hard time doing meetings that are, you know, either in the waste from the down, from the top down, but maybe from the bottom up too, and some of the challenges that you see. And so, yeah. so, um, so some of the challenges that I see is is um, people not not okay, not being really clear about why they're having the meeting, um, which means um, and and therefore that they therefore they're not um, preparing in any way for the meeting. They kind of put a the 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 default approach is. I need to talk to that person. I'm going to put a meeting in that in that person's diary or those people's diary, however it is, and then leaving it until five minutes before the meeting, and then thinking, "Shit, <laughs> remind me. Sorry, uh, remind me again. What? What? You know, what is it that I? What? 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 What was? What? What was I wanting to talk to him about, or her about, or them about? Um, and that th therefore, and knowing that actually spending time at the beginning of any kind of process and really understanding what you want to get out of it um, means that you save so much time in the long run if you're very clear about what it is that you're trying to get out of it you then it, it then becomes much easier about how you do that so that helps both people in the meeting though i would imagine because like if someone was clear to me and they said hey uh, this is the result I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to answer this question as the person they're asking. I would also want to know that so that I could make sure that it was successful from my side, because, yeah. you know, I, it, it, I, I don't need to talk to hear myself. Right. So like, if I know the answer to your question, I don't, it doesn't help me at all unless I'm giving it to you and it helps you and it's relevant, but I may be answering something. I don't know. 
that yeah. I thought you were wanting to get to and it didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> and, and that you then realize that, you know, you're the wrong person in the room and they've got to have the whole meeting <laughs> or, you know, that you're then going to say, oh, well, I'll have to go and ask a colleague. Yeah. So that, that, that then is that you've just had this meeting, but there's still a missing piece. Yeah. Um, and um, I also feel like if you have a half an hour blocked out with somebody and you're off of it in three minutes, like that 27 minutes afterwards is not productive because that wasn't your headspace and you're not prepared to, you know, you, you've, as we're, we're in this world now where for the efficiencies, like we have to block these things out. Yeah. You know, I would imagine that you know, it's, it's, it's a double whammy because not only now are you not getting the half hour worth of the value that was supposed to give to you, but now uh, we're three minutes in and I got 27 minutes. I got to go fill till my next thing that I've scheduled. And I, yeah. what can I do in that amount of time? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's very inefficient. Very, yeah, and you're probably yeah, and you're probably very frustrated. <laughs> well, so let's switch gears a little bit off the meeting side of it and talk about. Um, I know one of the things that you're kind of an expert in is how to create and maintain strong social connections. You know, and then those how important that is. And I know with yours, it's been applicable through teams in the business world. But I also feel like it's of something very important that we could talk to our young adults about, being the fact that we're playing an isolation experiment that we've never played before right so there are mental health ramifications and loneliness i would imagine like i couldn't imagine being 17 years old and having to stay in my house for six months like i would i i think my dad would have just thrown me out of the window at some point anyway because i'd have been driving him nuts but i think i would have run out the window the way before he got a hold of me anyway <laughs> so like i don't understand you know so but that is the reality and I think that work is changing so much that it may become more of a reality instead of less of a reality because we've taken our world and shrunk it so much with these calls and these teams and the way that we've kind of moved this technology along faster than I think we were ready for it. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I'm, my, my big thing is about how important it is for everyone to kind of, um, understand each other and have a like understand their experience and and how they're experiencing the now <laughs> um in a way that so so i use um pottery painting as a tool to, for this to connect teams um and and i have figured out a way to do it so if we i can deliver it remotely on a hybrid basis or in person and it works just as effectively. <laughs> um, but there's, um, I think um, it's about people being able to just share how they're feeling. Um, and um, more than that, then building on what they're learning from that and how, you know, I, I do work in the business world. So ultimately, I'm always about, well, you know, how, how can that help the team? How can that, you know, what, what you've learned, how can we use that to make the team stronger? Um, so, so what are some practicalities for that though? Like, how do we put that into practice? Making the team stronger. No, I just, it, well, well you, you, I guess your initial reaction was um, to try to understand where other people are coming from. Right. And I think that an empathic viewpoint is one of the strongest things you can develop uh in a leadership role especially but also um unless you're a solo entrepreneur which you still probably need to do some of that but usually a lot of times you're just delivering a skill set but if you're working in a group 
which is the majority of people that are going to go into the workforce, like having an empathic view is extremely important because you need those team members. You don't have the choice. You're not the, you're not the king, right? You don't get the wizard wand and say, Hey, well, you know, this guy, I don't like working with him, so I don't have to do that anymore. It doesn't work that way. And that's kind of that wait until you get out into the real world thing that parents tell their kids but that's a big part of it is you now have to work along with people that maybe you wouldn't choose to, but maybe it's a lot of it, I believe is just from misunderstanding. Yeah. And so it, so, and this is the bit about uh, understanding everyone's perspective can give you a, you know, even as a team member, help you see, the the challenge as it is or, or the situation as it is not just through your blinkered way but through a full 360 and and understand that people are um people see things slightly differently um and that that's a good thing because it then helps create better solutions to those challenges or a better way forward um and that that you know if you're if you only ever see it in your way you're only ever going to approach it um, in the same way, the problem solving aspect of it. So that having, being able to see things from from different viewpoints um, strengthens the output as a team. Um, And that therefore this whole thing of like, people, even even people that you may not, you know, that as a, on a personal level might find it difficult to get on with, you can still, respect them for what they bring to the team yeah i think it was einstein that said you can't solve the problems that you created with the same level of thinking that caused them that you had when you (laughs) when you when you caused the problem (laughs) right or when you created the problem and so i think i honestly like step one is almost realizing like i don't think the horse realizes he has the blinders on you know and that was a big kind of mindset shift for me through my journey and growing up and entrepreneurships and all those kinds of things was like, nope, this is the way it is. I saw it. And it's like, but if you talk to five people who looked at the same thing, we all see it differently, you know, same, same perspective, but different, different viewpoints, I guess, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's like yeah. the, like when they have a car crash and they, or they, they interview witnesses and they get 10 witness statements and they all saw something completely different. It's like, they're all thought they're right. Then, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, but I, but, and I think therefore, uh, what's really important is to to kind of do those exercises as a team, often, <laughs> to, yeah. to reinforce it, that. Uh, and that's part of what I was saying about the practice side of it, because it's one thing to tell people, but I really feel that on the on the paradigm view of the viewpoint of you from the. Um, you know, to, to actually realize that you're seeing something different than somebody else, you know, there's, it's, I almost feel like that one needs to be experiential, right? You need to have, you need to have like a, a, a team building, you know, for whatever, I don't know what else to call it, but like do a exercise on, you know, flashcards and say, who, what'd you see in the picture, yeah. right? But, but, and I think, but I think you can do it in a lot of ways in, yeah. in, you know, you can do it in a very, fun way like that um or you can do it with a real life project using more words or you can do it you know again you know you can, you can do it you modeling with lego or you know there are very different ways that you can bring that to life whilst 
actually allowing the team to to connect more um, because they're having a bit of fun. Um, we, were, and I think we, that's... we wrote each other's job descriptions one time. I had everybody take a piece of paper and write down the three main things that the person next to them did. And <laughs> it was it was shockingly bad. Like we we were so and when these are people that had a meeting every Tuesday, 12 people, managers, they'd known each other years, like they all had defined roles. And even us as myself and the other owner, they tried to write what we were in charge of and what we did. And it was just all over the place. <laughs> you know, and it, it just you're sitting there going, but we all know. And you're like, no, you don't really until yeah. that clarity is there. You know, that clarity really causes issues inside of a, an organization. Yeah. You know, the defined goal, kind of like the defined meeting goal, like you talked about earlier, having a defined goal that everybody's going to, to get at it is, is such a key, important part. Yeah. And again, I'm, and then I'm going to say also that, and it needs to be written with clarity and brought to life in a way that everybody understands it in the same way. Well, even then, that's even another goal, right? That's another, that's another, that's another exercise where, okay, even though you've you've written on the whiteboard and you've given everyone the sheet of paper, this is the goal. And you are just absolutely clear. If you don't ask them the way they see it, that's where the surprises come from, right? Like, okay, I gave you all guys the goal last week. What are you doing to get to the goal? And just you know, all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just, uh, there's, there's, you know, usually some funny conversations that come out of those things because we've had them uh, multiple times around through the years. And it's, it's always kind of funny because it's like one of those things you just take for granted. Yeah. And, and I think therefore as a leader, it's this thing of just it becoming second nature to check back with what people's understanding is or how they've, how they have understood it in order to, um, you know, be able to uh, rectify any random um, miss, just, you know, slight misunderstandings. And so uh, one thing I would say that's probably tough to tackle in these situations, and maybe this is another thing, like, how do you encourage engagement in those situations, right? Because it's, those exercises only work so well, but if you have unwilling participants, they don't work at all, you know, or we used to call people that would like, we would have a meeting, we'd have a we'd have a defined problem. We would have full on open talk about each piece, each person who's involved's perspective. And then we would determine a result at the end of it and make a direction. But then we'd have people, we weren't, we wouldn't, we would talk about this a lot. We're like, you cannot walk out of here maliciously obedient. Right. Which is okay. And then walk out like that's never going to work, you know, because that, and then it's sabotaged immediately. Yeah. Um, and so as kids are now, I think about, I'm trying to bring this back into where like, I see it with like high school kids. Cause it works. It works exactly the same way in a corporation as it does into the, like the high school groups of trying to figure this out. Cause I feel like the bigger challenge for those groups is learning how to manage groups and running them. So like, how do you get engagement in the groups? Like, how would you encourage that? I, so I think it's, it's, finding what makes the other people tick and trying to link that link what you're trying to achieve back to what drives them um and i say that uh, because i think this the the idea of of people 
being present and then but not engaging and therefore and just walking out and saying it's never going to work or whatever um you somehow you need to hook them into seeing that the benefit that they will have as a result of whatever it is that's been agreed so it's finding out what motivates them um, and different people have different motivators and being able to connect the two with what you're trying to achieve with what drives them to to just hook them into like oh, okay i can see this is actually going to help me just forget about the business but actually it's gonna it's gonna help um me personally and ultimately we are driven um you know by by us you know our in our internal side of things drives yeah i think that that's a uh i think that's a wonderful point it's very critical thinking right and so you're you've got to relate the decision making or the the process where you have buy-in yeah absolutely you right. get the buy-in of of the whole team and that might need to be through different you know you might have to do it in different ways to appeal to all of the team um but i think it's important and uh, you know the, the critical thing of this is all about you know again the starting with your individual team members and understanding them do you think yeah. that part of that is bringing it back to the to the business side of it um it, do you find that that is set from the tone in the hiring process? Like, are you, is it a, is that a personality piece? Is that a culture piece or is that a training piece? Um, I think it's mainly for me, it's a culture, culture piece. Um, and, um, I think, I think one of the, the great things about the the pandemic and how it's changed how we work is that i think it's going to it, it's going to force organizations to really take that aspect seriously of, of understanding the individual which will help not just in in um what we've just been talking but also in terms of the well-being side of things that um that you know understanding what drives people motivates people also on the flip side you understand what stresses them out because different people get stressed by different situations you it's not a blanket this is stressful for everybody there will be some that will be thriving in that situation and others drowning and, and put it in a different situation it'll be completely role reversed um so it's it the, the critical piece I, you know i think it's um it's I, I hope it's going to force organizations to look at that and really focus on how to change the culture from within. Do you think it'll be more difficult or easier to drive culture with the new workplace? I, okay, I'll be, I, I think easier because they're going to have to do it to achieve, to continue to deliver the results for the company. If you want to continue to get great results, you're going to have to find a way to change and, and keep the culture, even though you are not sitting next to each other anymore and you can't, you can't just pick that up from how people are behaving. But I, I, and I, but I think the good thing is that, it, that I think everybody will be much more purposeful in how they're approaching culture because they know it's so important versus kind of 
the culture that can creep into a, an office that that may not be noticed for a while but just kind of actually does have an impact that just you know one person can have a really negative impact on the culture in an office and it, and it goes kind of unchecked um i i kind of i feel that this this actually potentially could be really powerful um for finding ways different ways better ways for um improving the culture big question right <laughs> i love i loved your answer though because i'm trying to think through it myself as we're sitting there and i'm like the easy answer is to say it's going to be much harder yeah <laughs> right but i don't think so because i think what you're you're right you're going to have to clearly define it and then the little hidden pieces won't be there as much as if the teams aren't prevalent as close yeah. to each other it's not the water cooler talk right yeah exactly the, the, cl the clicks inside the clicks <laughs> yeah right they they're, they're less that that cut that has less of an impact on them <laughs> well i like that a lot Lauren. we've got to run we've got time coming up and so um i want to ask you uh who should come to find out more about you and where do they find you uh so they can find me on linkedin uh, uh, uh under lorna helps and um it's who should come to find me it's uh, it's kind of um marketing directors who are wanting to reconnect their teams after a tough 18 months there should be a plethora of those for you to find <laughs> <laughs> it's time to make hay i'm all i'm going to say because it's probably <laughs> needed in quite so many offices but uh lord i want to say thank you again uh coming all the way to visit us with the money talkers here um all the way across the pond and uh i want to say thank you for your insights and and the team building and those things it's uh I can't imagine that we're going to be in any short uh, supply of people needing help to stay engaged, help to stay uh, motivated. And then, like you said, I think I, when I see problems, I see opportunities. So I think there's more of an opportunity to be specific about your culture and be, uh, you know, um, driven to really define what that team building looks like in your company and in implementing it with specificity instead of being like well you know we're a company that works hard and everybody knows that you know and kind of thing and so uh it's going to take some extra legwork on on their department side and, and management side but i think that uh the results can can really move the needle so yeah well great well thank you so much for coming on money talkers with me thank you very much all righty thank you for listening to another episode of money talkers with me your host cody laughlin if you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram, at The Money Talkers, for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker